Uh, let me start off with this. So, we've been talking, we started uh, last week, we got back into the book of 1 Corinthians, we've been studying right through it. Since we've been here at this church, we've been making our way through the Bible. Um, so for the select few since day one, we've covered a significant amount of the Bible. We've covered, let's see, we started off, when we first started church, we did the book of Acts, um, then we did the book of Matthew, and then we did the book of Ephesians, then we did the book of John, now we're going to finish up the book of 1 Corinthians. Because um, we just believe in order to have a whole Christian, whole Christ follower, you want to take in the whole counsel of God. Um, a balance, this understanding of his character, of his nature. And that's found in his word. So we're committed to that. Uh, many times in that time, we've deviated on different things. Because we feel like the Spirit's moving this way, the Spirit's moving that way. And probably for this week and then next week, we're going to deviate a little bit more because I think it's really important. Um, let me give you the first fill in the blank in your bulletin. I'm going to explain why we're talking about this. Okay? Since we talked about the church last week, what is a church? What does it mean? Is it just a group of people? Um, if it is a group of people, what is that supposed to look like? How is that supposed to work? What kind of structure should be in place? How, how do you know if it's healthy? Should there be a lot? Should there be a little? What kind of outreach and things should they do? All of that, very important. All of that are very good questions to ask. And I hope you struggle with from time to time. Because the Bible isn't really super clear on exactly how to do it. It's not like Jesus said, hey, listen, um, church, do it this way. So Jesus didn't really lay it out quite like that. But there were some models laid out in the New Testament that we can follow. Praise God for that, that at least we have that guideline. And we have some things that Jesus said. So we try and follow that and learn from that. Let me give you this first fill in the blank, because I think this is important. I hope set the stage a little bit. So God's strategic plan for establishing and growing His church is to build on the foundation of Christ. So it's got to start there. It starts with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. Build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, sustained by His Spirit, illuminate it through love, set it apart by its supernatural power. God's got a strategic plan for His church on how He wants it to go, on what the effective, most healthy way for it to be. And we're saying our local church here, and we're saying church with the big C all over the globe, He's got a design or strategic plan. If you're at work, a lot of times they have like strategic plans in place. Um, you know, CEOs of a company, CFOs, they get together. Usually they have a three to five year strategic plan they try and go after, whether it's trying to build up this area, have a vision in this area, uh, whatever it is. Most places, um, they have strategic plans in place. God's strategic plan for church is it right here. Establishing and growing his church um, on the built on the foundation of Christ, say built. So like we're not getting anywhere unless we got this foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what we build on. Otherwise, it's like building on sand. It's like building on toothpicks. It just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Building in mud, you know, it just gets deceptive. Oh, I think it might stand. You know, no, no. First wave, it's down. doesn't work. Got to be solid on Jesus Christ. That's number one. Um, that foundation on Christ. Then sustain, say sustained. Sustained. It's got to be sustained by His Spirit. Here's why that's good news for you and good news for me. It's not sustained by all of my willpower, efforts, and talents. 
It's not sustained by all of my willpower, efforts, and talents. Amen. That doesn't mean those don't count and we shouldn't use them. But that means they shouldn't be our primary source for how the church grows and gets equipped and is edified. Because the trap within that, it's like, well, as long as we've got the, the, the best resources and the best people and the latest ideas, we're going to be rolling. We'll be good. That kind of took faith out of the equation. I'll tell you how you spell faith, spell faith and it's not with an F. It's R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. And the church should be no different. Should be no different. So sustained by His Spirit, which we're going to be talking about today, illuminate it through love. So He's going to, we're going to shine, supposedly we're going to shine as a church, not because of all the things we're against. We don't want to shine that way. We don't want to shine for being the sin sniffers and the fault finders. We should have boundaries in our life, but we shouldn't be known just for our boundaries. We should be known for knowing how to connect with God's heart and bring a supernatural love and compassion to this world and forgiveness that it's never seen. That is a Christian. A supernatural love a supernatural forgiveness and compassion that's outside of themselves because God has brought it in and it flows through their life. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not how many Bible verses you know or can recite or your confirmation. Education has a place, but transformation is the goal. And that's what the Spirit's looking to do. So illuminated through love, so we shine like a city on hell through love. Set apart by its natural power. Paul said an interesting thing. He said, he said that, uh, I pray that my words would not just be idle, that there would actually be power in my words. And that's what, like, I pray for our church, and I pray for my own life. Not just that it would be like Christian rhetoric and, you know, just this ambiguous sort of religiosity that happens and maybe some of it comes together. No. I'm praying that God shows up supernaturally. Because that's what we're called to. That's what he promised for us. Not because that's for some people, not for others. So if we're sitting there thinking for a second that God might not or does not want to move in each and every one of your lives in a supernatural way on a regular basis, you're severely mistaken and you don't really know the heart of God. I promise you. I promise you. His plans are already set up to move supernaturally in your life. He's waiting for you to be in position. Amen, Pastor. Amen. I want to read you something, okay, from a book. Um, pretty helpful book that goes along with this topic. I'll give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, so this story, and I just decided to read it because I don't want to screw it up. I'm just good at screwing stuff up, so it's just easier if I read it. Um, stories like this, they are, if you're around the right people in the right circles... They're in abundance. And um, I'm praying for more of it to catch, more of it to catch within our church. Um, So this guy is writing, and um, he says, I had an opportunity to travel around the country of Albania for several weeks, right after communism was lifted in 1992, uh, teaching leaders in several cities about the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
says, one of the cities in Albania where I'd held meetings is called, uh, I don't know how to say that, Shenzhen, Albanian for St. John. And their tradition holds that Paul once preached there in addition to Titus and John the Beloved. As it turned out, I was part of the first public meeting in recent history at which the gospel would be preached, accompanied by signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit. Only God could have set things up so well to convert them to the truth of the gospel. So he's just setting the stage. So it's interesting. There was no church building for our meeting. Right away, that would just throw off just about everybody in the West. What? No building. What do we do? What if it rains? So... There was no church building for our meeting, so we gathered in a fortress-like community building on a cold, rainy February February evening. And there were maybe 120 people packed into the room, all wearing their winter coats because it was as bitterly cold inside the place as it was outside. I had to make do without much support. I didn't even have a worship team or a source of worship music. No, we can kind of relate. We got a source of music, though except for my Christian interpreter and the friend who came with me. Everybody else in the room spoke, whatever their language there, I had been praying specifically for a word from God for these spiritually hungry people who had gone for so long without one. So what's he praying for? That's right, a word from God. You guys with me? All right, I'm not going too fast. All right. Through my interpreter, I began to preach about how God sets us free from rejection and oppression, and I told a little bit about my background and testimony. After I launched into my sermon, I kept speaking for a while, although I could see I wasn't getting much of anywhere. Those looks, I'm very familiar with. Then the name Sarah floated through my mind. That was the second time it had happened that day. Earlier, as I had been preparing myself in prayer for the meeting, the same name had occurred to me. I put it aside because I felt I was supposed to minister to the whole group, not just to one person. And anyway, I had reasoned Sarah is not an Albanian name. But now that the name had been brought to my attention a second time, I had to assume that God had given it to me for a reason. I turned to my neighbor and asked, What is the name Sarah in Albanian? Sabrina, he asked. Is anyone here named Sabrina, I asked. A youngish lady with a somber expression raised her hand. Everyone seemed to know her. I asked her to step into the aisle and to come forward, which she did, bundled in her coat. Only then did I start to grasp more of what to say to her. So did he know what to say right away? No. Yeah, a clue. He's just like, I got a name and <laughs> I got a name. That's it. Only then did I start to, uh, I prophesied and my words were translated for her as I said. We'll talk about that in a minute. Your name is Sabrina. You have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ ever in your life. You are 32 years old. You have a tumor in your left breast and Jesus wants to heal you. Say what? The woman looked startled, understandably so, at my words. She had never before been to a Christian meeting, especially not to a charismatic type meeting. We're going to talk more about that in a minute too. Yet even without ever having seen it happen before, she began to tremble violently. She was just freaked out. She knew the words were true. The rest of the people knew it too because they knew her. Sabrina gave her heart to Jesus in front of the group followed by others. It's awesome, right? Even those who may not have been saved that night definitely had an encounter with the power of the living God. That evening, we all forgot about being cold because God's presence was so intense. Love that. Love that. 
Eventually things settled down and everyone went home except for the three of us. My friend, my interpreter, and me. His friend being Sabrina. We didn't have a hotel or a home nearby to go to. We were supposed to travel to the next city where we were lodging. The security guard escorted us down the hill to the street where we hoped to be able to hail a taxi cab. Although cars were scarce in all of Albania and the roads were terrible. All we could do in the rainy, dark night was to try and thumb a ride. Amazingly, a car pulled over. It crossed my mind that this was like the incident in the book of Acts where Philip got into the Ethiopian chariot and God got in too. The driver was willing to take us to the next city, so we got into his chariot and our God's sent chauffeur, and our God sent chauffeur set out navigating around the potholes in the dark. I occupied the front passenger seat with my interpreter and my friend Sabrina in the back. The interpreter translated for me as I started telling the guy the story of what had just happened at the community center. All of a sudden, the driver was seized with trembling, and it wasn't because of the bad road. It became clear to me that I was in the middle of another divine appointment. This man turned out to be Sabrina's husband. He was a Muslim. He had never heard the gospel before either. He kept driving, and I kept talking. Before we arrived at our destination, he was saved too by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is, like, ridiculous. I mean, that's just, how do you even, that's crazy. So, Sabrina never contacted him, got him, flagged him down, and she didn't say anything in the car at all. And they found out from him talking, uh, he ends up getting saved right then and there. And so it's just, and all started, you know, from a name. Just like, bless you. Just like a name, God put something on the guy's heart. He has no idea what's going to happen. But he just decided to move with it. He just decided to move with it. And things like that are much, much of where God wants to take us, where he's just saying, hey, I'll give you a little something, and then just go with that. A word of encouragement for somebody, a song, a text, or just go show up somewhere. But I'm not going to know anybody. I'm going to be there by myself. Just go. Just go do it. So he encourages us to just put ourselves out there, because we spell faith how? R-I-S-K. You got it. That's how he does it. And that's how we grow. So we're going to talk about these spiritual gifts. Say spiritual gifts. They're gifts, right? And we have gifts for the common good. That's what they're for. Um, So let's read this, and I just want to break down a couple of things, and then I'll be about it. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, or not Christ followers... Somehow or other, you are influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now, to each one, it's a big word here, say manifestation. Manifestation. It's an important word we're going to get back to. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And later on, Paul's going to go to say, which we'll read later, not this morning, he talks about how the church is made up of one body but many parts. So some churches, they excel in particular areas, and their church excels in other areas, and their church excels in other areas, so there's just all kinds of different parts that make up the whole. That's a healthy way. Unfortunately, what many of us know is we know churches that like, you know, we're the thumbs and we stay here the thumbs and we don't like connect with the rest of the body. That's dysfunctional and divisive and that's not what God's calling us to. That's why we try to take advantage of as many situations as we can where we can team up and partner with other Bible-believing churches and say, hey, what can we do? Where are we going? How can we help be a part as well? We want to connect together and not be on our own. So, a couple of things here. Um, spiritual gifts. Here's the word for gifts. Uh, the word is C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. Uh, charisma. Which, get the word, charismatic. Um, the idea being is it actually comes out of the person. Like it comes out, it's like physically comes out. It, it makes, uh, it's dwelling inside a person and it comes out in some way, shape, or form, whether in speech, whether in prayer, whether in encouragement, in some way, shape, or form, it comes out. You can't keep it bottled up. It's coming out. Um, let me ask you this question, right? So here's a good question just to ask, somebody might ask. Uh, why do we need the gifts to begin with? What's the point? What's the point? Um, these gifts are given by God, to his people. Though his people are the ones that have said, I give my life to you, I surrender to you, I believe in you. I'm following after you. That's his people. For people that have chosen to do that, the Holy Spirit comes and resides within that person. When the Holy Spirit comes and resides, he comes bringing gifts. Santa Claus has got nothing on this. It's the ultimate gift giver that's bringing amazing gifts. And he brings these gifts so that the church, his bride, so our local church, the church as a whole, so that church family can be built up, edified, and they can grow together. And as Paul said, for the common good. So those gifts are there to build up. The gifts are not there, which we'll talk about more in a minute, to find our identity or to somehow think God loves us more. They're not signs of that at all. Not at all. Which we'll get into more in a minute. To have the actual breakdown of like how they list all the gifts, it's in this passage um, here, which we just read some. If you want to read more later, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and I think it's uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Those are like kind of the main go-to passages about spiritual gifts. Um, let me tell you what they're not before we get into 
what they are. And what we're not going to do today is break down every single one and talk about them. That, we're just not doing that today. It's just not where we're going. Okay? Here's what they're not. Um, spiritual gifts are not toys. They're not toys. It's not like, oh, I got a new toy and I want to just try it out. And... There is an element of practice to it, which I'll get to in a minute. But they're not toys. Toys just exist for your own personal pleasure. It's easy for me to refer to toys because I have, you know, the two boys and toys just own our home right now. And the toys are very possessive. They cause fights. <laughs> they're usually divisive. Um, it's just a cause of stress most of the time. For the parents, anyways. Sometimes for them. Like I mentioned before, spiritual gifts are not a sign that because they're coming out of your life, then they're coming out of you, that somehow God is loving you more in the moment. Please don't ever think that. Oh, God's really loving me right now because this is happening. That's a mistake. Whenever you're uncertain about if God loves you or not, bring your mind and bring yourself to one place. And the one place that you bring yourself to know for certain, you go to the cross, his own son. Because at the cross, he said, my son is worth you. It's very important that the Christian knows this. Because those of us that are parents and do have kids, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever be at the place. I, 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 I can't see myself at the place of giving up any one of my sons for humanity. That's... That seems like a horrible deal. God sees a lot more, and his heart is a lot bigger. So when you want to know how much he loves you, don't look at your circumstances. Don't focus on the struggles. Try not to just keep your eyes on the waves. Look back and say, no, no, no. I know how you love me. You sent your son to die for me. That's the deal. So now I've got to figure out, where are you in this and where are you bringing me? Because not only did you love me, you also said you wouldn't leave me or forsake me. So the love issue, it's settled in Jesus. Not in anything else. Especially not in the gifts. The other thing that they are not is they're not talents and abilities. All of you here, you got different talents and abilities. You just have. Um, some of you are, I don't know, good at building things. Some of you are visionaries. Um, some of you maybe are good at like being funny and being humorous. Some of you are good at being sarcastic. Some of you are good at whatever. You just have things you're good at. It's true. That when God saves a person, he definitely, like, like, he tweaks those. I don't know if tweaks are a great word, but it's all I got right now. He tweaks those and he refines them so that they become in a proper place where they can worship him, for sure. But the gifts that are mentioned that we talk about, that the Bible has down, those are the specific ones really given to, like, build up the church. So if somebody's like, oh, my spiritual gift, you know, is... Um, I don't know. What have I heard people say? My spiritual gift is uh, being an athlete. I've heard people say that. It's being an athlete. Well, no, not really. Like, I'm glad that you've been given those abilities. He gave those to you. You want to use it as a platform to talk about Jesus? Whether you win or you lose, awesome. Do it. Go after that. It's not a spiritual gift, though. The Bible makes it clear what the spiritual gifts are. 
Part of the good news about that is there's just also a lot of us, which I fit into much of this, it's like I don't really excel in a whole lot of particular areas. I'm kind of just like average, below average, a little above average in a lot of areas. So I'm glad that building the church is not dependent upon those. And that should be encouraging for the Christian to, to know that doesn't completely rest or reside in us. It's coming from somewhere else. So that's what spiritual gifts are not. Um, what they are are some of the things that we read here. And let's look at that list just real one more time. Just in this one passage. You could read the other passages during the week. Um, but I will just summarize these again real quick. And it's important that you know here different kinds of gifts different kinds of service. So you have a gift, it could look different ways. Different kinds of working, it could even like work different ways within the way people are using it. So you could have um, someone that has, you know, a spiritual gift of, um, let's see, we'll pick one on the list here. Uh, Knowledge. That guy had a name, Sarah, came up, right? This came to him. Um, For other, I know other people that's like, they (laughs) For whatever reason, they have a situation. This one guy, in his, every time God's moving and speaking on his heart, he gets like a, um, a kind of a pain in his left elbow. How random is that? And then my next thought is, how do you figure that out? Like, what? Took a lot of time thinking and praying about that, apparently. It's like his left, I think it was his elbow, I think. It, like, he knows that God's impressing something on his heart, so then he really starts to pay attention as far as like, what information starts to come next. And he noticed over time, like, wow, that's like that, whatever, that's the Lord getting my attention. I don't know why he... So it's not the same as the other guy who got to Sarah when he was talking. It goes a different way. And it can happen all kinds of different ways for people. And that's good news because it's like, God can work in any way, no matter any person. It's not just some select, special, chosen few. Oh yeah, so I want to look at him real quick. Um, message of wisdom, message of knowledge, uh, faith, gifts of healing, which we're going to talk more about in the next weeks too. Uh, Because there is a significant part of the church that believes like the supernatural ones, so healing, signs and wonders, there's a significant part of the church that feels like those have ended when the apostles died. And so it's not here anymore. So we're going to talk more about that in the following weeks. That's not our focus this morning. Um, tongues, interpreting tongues, all these things. And like I said, we're not going to do a breakdown today. That'll, that'll be later. We're just getting the general idea of the overall kind of macro look at gifts. Here's a common view, so don't fall into this trap. This is a trap. Um, some people read the list, and they're like, oh, I got that one. I think I got this one. I think I got that one. And I think I got this one. And then the other side of it is, well, I don't have that one, so I'm not going to try that. Try not to fall into that. If the Holy Spirit comes, there's a good chance he's bringing everything with him. Not just some of it. Some things might shine out more in a particular person and personality. For sure. But if the Holy Spirit's coming, there's availability to all the gifts. And honestly, what's really most important, the Christ Father should be thinking, man, how does somebody need to be strengthened? How does somebody need to be helped? 
Where can I come in and encourage? Where can I come in and pray? Worry about the labels later. Typically when people talk about spiritual giftings, gifts from God, how the Spirit wants to move, it's just all about the labels. And some people just like are very, I, I, this is my, God is not really big on that. Not really big on it. It helps sometimes that, you know, have conversation and talk about things, but labels and status based on those labels is not an important thing, not a biblical thing. All right. Here's the one that's heavy on my heart big time, okay? I don't think I had a spot for it on here. Um, But let me give you the ones we did. These gifts are not a greater sign of his love for us. Rather, they are a sign of how God wants to love others through us. So these gifts are not a greater sign of his love for us. Rather, they are a sign of how God wants to love others through us. He wants to love other people, build up other people, reveal himself. So, People want to get into proving God and proving this and proving that and arguing and science. Science is good. Has a place. And honestly, you study enough with enough intellectuals, eventually you get to people like Einstein and Newton who created half of science and they realize, man, there's definitely a God. It's just what happens. So science and God, they always match. The enemy always wants to create it to where science and God are always divided and they never... It's craziness. It's not true. Study it long enough to get in long enough. You'll see. But God wants to show the evidence of how real he is, who his nature is, what he's able to do. He wants to show that through you. That's not to put the pressure on you. That's to give you great hope and joy. Wow. God, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. When are we doing this? (laughs) And he's like, man, whenever you're ready, I'm ready to roll. It's already set up. It's in place for you. It's in your account. There's a way to access it, but it's in your account. We did, these gifts are not toys. They are tools. Tools. They are tools. They need to be practiced. They need to be practiced. So if somebody feels like they're hearing from God in some way, shape, or form, you have to practice. So, for example, uh, read another book, and this part sticks out, and I think it applies to this moment. So there was a younger group of kids. They were like early 20s. They were in a um, Bible college, and they're like, I want, you know, the Holy Spirit, move in me. I know you have gifts within me. I want to learn more. I want to operate in that way on a more regular basis. There's like three of them. And uh, they all had kind of different ways that they felt like God was speaking to them. And so for these three particular people, they felt like um, they had a name situation, kind of like what we read about. They felt like God would just place names on their hearts and then attach some kind of stories to it. And so what they would do is they would just start taking taxi cabs for no reason. They didn't have to go anywhere. But they needed to practice there's a practicing involved. This is a skill set to hear from the Spirit, then move in the Spirit with great efficiency. So they hail a taxi cab, they get in a taxi cab, and they're just like sitting there, and 
you know, just kind of talking, hanging out, maybe praying. And I just go to text driver, hey, uh, you got a cousin named Frank, or are they, are they in a hospital or something? And did they used to work at such and such? And, and sometimes, cab driver would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, no, I don't. Not at all. What are you saying? Like, oh, you know, uh, you know, we're Christians, and like, we know that God wants to speak through us to encourage other people, and sometimes it's hard for us to get the message right, and so we just thought maybe God put something on our heart for you, but he didn't, but I mean, he still loves you, you know, and you know, they would just talk with him and witness from there. A couple things I like about that. Number one is they realize it's a tool that needs to be practiced. Number two, there was great humility there. Because it wasn't like, oh, God told me this, now I'm telling you, don't you ever question it. That's like a big thing in the church. People get to certain statuses and positions. God told me, God told me, God told me. And God forbid you question that. Really? God told you that? Why would he, what do you mean? God told, you know, they're immediately like defensive and it's like a thing. The humility comes in, it's like, yeah, it probably sounds crazy, let's talk about it a little bit, you know. And you just sit down and see. Because guess what? Even though God's talking and working, that doesn't always mean that we get it perfectly or that we get it right. So there's great room for humility on our parts. Okay. Uh, two things I feel like uh, the Spirit dropped on my heart. I guess it's, it's really one thought. People in identity crisis can't move in spiritual gifts. So people in identity crisis, say identity crisis. They can't move really in spiritual gifts effectively. Um, and people in identity crisis, uh, if the gifts do come and they move in it, they can't handle it. So people in identity crisis, they can't move in it. And they can't handle it when it comes. Here's what I mean. People in identity crisis um, can't move in it. Here's an identity crisis. Identity crisis is, okay, so I'm a Christ follower. Let's assume that's the case. I'm a Christ follower. I want to follow him. I believe in him. I mentally assent to that. I am like favorably disposed towards that. Okay. If that's all that it is, we're going to get into an identity crisis. Because... Our true identity rests with our maker, with our Father who created us. Our true identity, who, I, who Jared really is, rests in the designer of who created Jared. That's the deal. Like I, I want to know what he had to say when he was thinking about making me. What were your design plans exactly? And what was the goal? Because I'll tell you what, most people are walking around, we walk around with these needs to want to be accepted, to be in certain groups and have certain things, which are good. But they get perverted into like, when we're good at certain things or people recognize it, then that's like a part of who we are. If we're not getting recognition for the things that we're good at and what's happening, then who are we? It's identity crisis. It happens time and time again with athletes have amazing careers, they go a long way doing whatever it is, something happens, boom, now they're struggling. Who, what do I do? That was my whole life. 
I was so greatly encouraged by a couple of divers in the Olympics. I never watched diving. I have like zero interest. Julia's like totally into it. I'm like, ugh. Two divers, two Christian divers, they get up there, they kill it. Two uh, American guys, they kill it. They get down, by kill it, I mean they did good. Um, they get down, get to the interview, and, uh, you know, some people don't interpret that right. Um, so they get to the interview, and uh, the lady, she's like, well, what are you feeling right now? How does, you know, they're going to win the gold. I think it was the gold. It might have been the silver. How do you handle all the pressure, and you did it, da 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 and that was amazing. And they're like, honestly, it just helps us to know that we're Christians first and we're divers second. So we work as hard as we can and we practice. That's what I was doing. I was like. But they get it. They're not identity crisis. They know who they are. They're working their tails off. They're in the Olympics. They train all the time. They're always working. At the end of the day, they can only do the best of whatever they've done. And whether they're sitting on the podium or they didn't even make the cut, they're Christians first, divers second. They're not in an identity crisis. Too many Christians walk around in identity crisis. We need to be seen and accepted and known for something other than a Christian. Isn't that weird? It, in fact, would probably make a lot of us uncomfortable to be known more as the Christian than as something else. That's... Man, it gets weird, right? It's okay if we know, get known for doing different things and certain things stick out. You know, that's fine. That's great. But if we're wrapped up in it, it's going to be a problem. And with spiritual gifts, it would be a big-time problem. Because if we're not on, on the, like, um, the low self-esteem end, the fearful end, the end that's like, well, I don't know. People don't even really like me anyways. I don't have a lot to contribute. All I have is a lot of failures, so I don't even... If someone's coming from that arena, from that area, from that mindset, they will not move in the realm of the spiritual gifting. She won't move. Because it's all about believing what God has said and moving and responding to help other people up. And there's no way we can help people up if we're always at like their expense because they might crush us. So that's why, I say, that's why I say people in identity crisis, they won't move in it. They just won't move. They're too busy trying to figure out who they are. So what are you saying? You shouldn't figure out who you are? No, I think you should figure out who you are. We're going to figure out we're sons and daughters of the king. That's why I'm saying. We should figure out who we are. And then we move. We'll be parents. We'll be coworkers. We'll be friends. We'll be whatever. But at the end of the day, we're Christ followers. We follow you, Lord. What's your plan? How do you want me to raise my kids? How do you want me to be an uncle to so-and-so? How do you want me to invest in this person there? That's who we are. That's, that's the person that's not an identity crisis. And then on the other end, if those gifts come to somebody who has been an identity crisis, let's say they're not feeling too bad about themselves. Let's say they have a fairly decent confidence level and they're able to move and interact and do things. They start to think that, like, there's somebody and, like, they're attached to, the, I am so-and-so the prophet. I am so-and-so the apostle. I am so-and-so the whatever. And it's like, 
I'm just a Christian. Hey, brother. We're just Christians. That's what the issue is. You know what I was really tempted to say? And this came out to me. It was a personal conviction on me. You're getting a couple of bonuses today. Um, When I hit that lady's mailbox with my truck, when I hit it with the window, I told you about the whole story, how I went through it. If you missed it, it's online somewhere. I forget the date. I don't know. Just look through. But I was really tempted to go back to a house and be like, listen, I'm a pastor at a church. There's no way I could have left it. I was immediately convicted. Why would I throw that term pastor in there? Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, I definitely have to if I'm a pastor. There was a disconnect. Like, I definitely have to if I'm a Christian. What the heck does pastor have to do with anything? You're the clown that just destroyed her mailbox. Yeah. So I remember that going off me right away. I was like, oh, yeah, that's like really stupid. So then I went to her door, and I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't. I think she found, she found out at the end because we started talking about a lot of things and prayed and stuff, but it's important to know that we are Christians first. If we're not in identity crisis, we can move in it and then we can handle when we're moving. Let's see here. Last one on the uh, bulletin there. These gifts are most released and effective when we have hearts that are eager and hungry and invested into others. They're most released and most effective. And I say released. I don't say like, I hope I get them. They're already there. The question is, are they going to be released in my life? Are they going to be activated? So it's like a question. Is Jared going to allow the Spirit to move in a way that the Spirit wants to move? It's not that are they there. It's already there. I already shared with you. It's in the account. We just have to withdraw. So will Jared do it? Will Rob let the Spirit have its way? Right? Will Rick let the Spirit just have it? That's really a question on the table. And I think that, I hope that, it's our hearts to where we, of course, yeah, we want you to move. Sometimes it's not always the issue. And if that's not the issue, you're unsure about, I don't know, if that seems kind of scary and kind of weird. We'll wrestle with God on that. It's totally worth it. Don't drop that conversation. It's a good one to have with Him. You'll be in before you know it. But it's most effective and it will be released to the greatest degree when our hearts are just invested and we're eager to, eager to uphold other people. That's what the whole thing is about. In the first, that's the whole reason he gave the gifts was for the common good and for the church. Not so I'd find my status and not so I'd find part of who I am. No. It was solely about, Lord, you want to minister and speak to that person right there regardless of where we're at. If we're in Walmart, or if we're fishing, or if we're at work, or whatever we're doing. Man, my heart is just drawn to people. You start to walk through life with just a whole other listening ear going on. It's a much better way to live. I promise you that. Much better way. Now, 
there are some ways that we can block the Holy Spirit and get in the way. Um, there's this issue of baptism of the Spirit. What is that all about? Uh, there are all these other gifts that were listed on there we didn't really get into detail about. Our plan is to cover all of it, okay? So we'll get into it. Those will be our next weeks. But for now, I just wanted to lay the ground where I can say, listen, man, this is what's available. This is what God has provided. Let's put ourselves in position so it can be released in our own lives, in our church, for whoever's around us. Hopefully they get some of it because I tell you what, God has a heart and he has a plan and he's drawing to people, he's drawing people to himself all around us. doesn't matter who they are. I was just talking with somebody the other day and they're like, man, I can't believe that they wanted to talk about God. And I was talking with another person about that situation and I was like, well, what do you think? They want to be with their maker. Like, they want to be with their father, the person who created them. Their interest level is there. They were born with it. And God's drawing them. And he wants to speak through us. So much of it is just us being a channel and a vessel where we're clearing things out that would just cloud our vision, that would just get in the way. It's just clearing that out intentionally and saying, Father, I'm just here for you to use me. I'll perform in my job the best of my ability. I'll try and be a responsible person. I'll try to be faithful to my friends and family, whoever. But I'm here for you to use, Lord. So speak to my heart. How have you gifted me? I want to function in that. And I, oh, you, you start praying and doing that, your life is going to start to change dramatically. And it might weird you out, but I'll tell you what, God is pretty weird. A lot of his supernatural working is very uncomfortable and feels very strange and looks very odd. Because it's not from this world. All right. Keith, you want to come up and pray for us? You.